How is everybody doing? Good to have you. Good to be here. And we're continuing with Advent. I think it's great that we do that. I think it's important that we connect with the reason for Christmas. And it's all about Jesus. So we want to continue with that. And we're in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. So if you turn in your Bibles, what page is that? I think it says in the bulletin. 607. Very good. So, yeah, 607, 608. If you need a Bible, just lift your hand. Everybody have a Bible? Okay. Sarah needs one. Pastor Joe always reminds you that if you don't own a Bible, this is yours to, to take and to keep and to study. There's a reason that he does that, not because he just wants to give away stuff and be nice. More important than that is that you can understand why you believe what you believe and not to just take our word for it, whomever's preaching. You don't want to just receive with deaf ears and just say, okay, I, I believe what you said, but what does the Bible say? You want to have the Bible. You want to follow along. You want to study the word. This is so, so critical that you have that. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born for us, and a son will be given to us, <clears throat> and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. We're going to focus on those two words, Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you tonight to give you thanks for your word, and we pray that you would speak to our hearts. We don't come to hear from a man. We come to hear from your spirit. So illuminate the text and bring about the change that we need in our hearts for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't need to convince you today that there's darkness in the world. You flip on the news, you look at the drug crisis, there's somebody that's affected by it. Maybe you're affected in some way. There could be some darkness even in your own life. Could be your health, could be your job, could be your family. There's darkness on every side. You see, this is the place that the people of Israel found themselves in 700 years before the birth of Jesus. This is why the, this text is so significant, because it's talking about a very important person. See, Israel understood. They had their enemies. They were all around them. There was darkness all around them. There was no hope for them. Even their king made friends with the enemy, Assyria. These were people that were oppressed and held in captivity and bound. These were people that turned away from the living God to spiritists, to mediums, to whatever else that they could find encouragement from. They, they turned from the living God. See, this is true darkness. Believing that God is not able to deliver you, that he lacks the power to save you, that you might as well give up, that's true darkness. And see, darkness and light, they can't coexist. Light destroys darkness. It doesn't just cover it over and settle it for a time. No, it obliterates it. It destroys it. And that light has come. We don't have to wait another 700 years. 
The light has come. His name is Jesus. And you know what? He's 100% man and 100% God. He's got two natures, but he's one person. Can I figure that out? No, you can't. So don't try. But it's true. He's not a man sometimes and then God other times. No, he's 100% man, 100% God all the time. And as we prepare our hearts, as we put Jesus at the forefront of our minds, we're declaring that a light has dawned. That Jesus has come into the world with one primary task, to save sinners, you and me. And that's the title of our message today. It's the light that saves. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, we see Jesus, the Messiah, is wonderful counselor, mighty God. And we're just going to unpack that. There's so much in that that you could spend forever amount of time just doing that. Wonderful counselor, if you look at the original language, the word wonderful means admirable, distinguished, referring specifically to Messiah. You think about Jesus, what do you admire him for? Think about it. Just close your eyes for a second. What comes to your mind when you think about Jesus? Beauty, perfection, holiness, love. And you know what that also does? It reminds me of the things that I'm not. I'm not perfect. I'm not holy. I'm not loving. That's my wife. <laughs> I try to be. <laughs> but God demands holiness without which nobody can see the Lord. How does that work? How can, I, how can God demand something that I can't give? That doesn't seem fair, does it? How could I possibly go to heaven if that's what God requires of me? Well, let me just tell you that it's not about the good things that you can do to earn God's favor. It has nothing to do with that. We admire Jesus because he's come to save us from death and destruction and did a work that we could never do. The second part is distinguished. What, what comes to mind when you think of distinguished? It's not really a common word we use, but here's a few. Authoritative, commanding great respect. In the office of great power, a king or a general or our president. That's right, I said it. The office of our president. It, it, does, it is distinguished. And you see, the authority in this world versus the authority that Jesus has, there's a big difference. How does, how does Jesus have all authority, you, you might ask? Well, what's so big about that? He did come to die for us, but what's so great about that? He is the Word made flesh. He is not just a man that came on the scene at a certain time. No, He was the one that they prepared for over thousands of years, the coming of Jesus, and He came to forgive sins. What hope do we have in a God that can't forgive our sins? We don't have any. Without the resurrection, the Apostle Paul said, we might, have be, might as well just be the most accursed of all men, the most pitied of all men, because we have no hope. But Jesus has all authority because he's able to forgive us of our sins and make us new. So how come Jesus never had to ask for respect? You, you know, you, you have a position or, or a title at your job and you say, how come nobody just gives me a little respect? I just want a little respect. Jesus never had to ask for it. The Bible says that they were amazed at this man who was able to teach 
with such authority. How could he teach like that, they wondered. He's not like any other teacher. This guy has something different about him. And if we come back to the context of the passage, Isaiah chapter 9, it's the 8th century before Jesus. Did you notice that, that we use our entire calendar based on this one man named Jesus? 800 years before, 7 to 800 years before Jesus came, this wonderful counselor meant something different to them than it does to us today. It was something very deep. Remember, the darkness that the people of Israel faced, being surrounded by their enemies, being held in captivity, there was no freedom for them. There was no hope. They turned their backs to God. So what comfort could they possibly gain but that of a coming hope, that of a coming Messiah, that hope that will dispel the darkness, that he'd be not just some band-aid to fix a temporary condition, but he would be the cure to fix a broken, dark, empty heart. His healing is deeper. It's not just some some superficial exterior thing that you do certain activities and then he'll sort of fix you up on the outside. No, it's, it's a deep healing that comes inside of you and works its way out. And that's the challenge for you today, that we need that. We need a new heart. You need a new heart. If you don't have Jesus, you need to be born again. The Bible says this. And a light has dawned for Israel and for you and for me. And this Jesus is full of wonder, full of power. He's not reduced to some timid psychologist, some guy, you know, not if you're a psychologist, I don't want to offend you, but you can't reduce him to some simple counselor in the sense that we would understand what a counselor is. No, he's power. He's exalted. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the great I am. He's the beginning and the end. And here's how you can get free from the darkness that you may be faced with today. I don't know what that darkness is for you. But here's what I want to encourage you with, that you need to embrace the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. That you receive this power in you. Because Jesus understands you. You see, he came into this world as a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And he's the light that has dawned. He's the truth for Israel to embrace, and he's the truth for you to embrace. When I say the gospel, I mean it's good news because we're sin ridden, destroyed, filled with sin, broken, messed up. But Jesus says, I've done this for you. If you were the only one that ever existed, I still would have died for you. My love for you is that great. So he's wonderful. He's distinguished, he's admired, and he's wonderful counselor. And that counselor, in, this, in the original language, means he's one that cares, one that protects. Not sure how you were raised, if your parents cared for you, if they were good to you, if they made you feel protected, or maybe it was the opposite. Maybe that you feared them, and it wasn't in a healthy way, because you were afraid if you did something wrong, then there would be a consequence to harm you. Maybe some abuse. I was fortunate to be raised in a Christian home, and I remember when my dad came to faith in Jesus when he was in his 40s, and there was a change that happened in him. There was an anger that was there before. It was a very deep-seated anger, and I remember as a child 
seeing something lifting off of him, and there was a change that happened. And that had an impact on me. What I want to do is plead with you not to get caught up in a mindset of thinking that your heavenly father is similar to your earthly father. We, we tend to do this thing where it's like, I, whatever my dad was like, I tend to think of how God is, how he must be like. So if my father on earth was abusive or, or uh, hurtful to me, then that must be how my God is, how, how God is in heaven. And I want to encourage you that God's desire for his children is to care and to protect you. And he's not going to reject you. He loves you because he loves you. It's not a performance thing. You don't do certain things. You say, oh, once I, I've done all the good stuff, God, I'm so glad that I've been performing well. I've been doing my devotions for one and a half hours. I've been doing them for the right amount of time, and I feel like I'm doing the right things. God, don't, don't you want to bless me now? And, and don't, shouldn't I have your favor now? That's not the relationship that God has. He, he loves you because he loves you. That's it. It's not going to change based on your performance when you mess up. Because if it was, we'd be in big trouble. But God loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And he's not going to... You see, when you get saved, there's something amazing that happens is that he wipes away that, that sin account. That sin of that all that all those failures. And you see, all those failures that are washed out, those are past, present, and future. Those sins that you're going to commit. Because he knows we're going to mess up, even though we're Christians. Nobody's got it all together. But what he does is he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. Do you ever try to think about how far that is? East is from the how do you no, you can't. You can't do it. You cannot earn, earn God's favor, His good graces. The work of God is this, to believe in the one that He sent, Jesus. See, it is simple, but it's not that simple because if you reduce your Christian experience to some prayer that you prayed at, at some age, maybe years ago or even more recently, and you think, well, I'm good because I prayed that prayer that they told me to pray. They said, pray like this, and I prayed like that, and now I'm a Christian and everything's done. We can't do that. The Bible says to make our calling and election sure, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What's the encouragement there? It's, it's make sure that you're in the faith. Even though you prayed a prayer, and that might have been genuine, you might have gotten saved at that point, still understand that God wants to do something amazing in you. And it's not just a prayer that you pray so that you can go on sinning and everything is fine because I prayed the prayer. But there's no change. Let me tell you a story about some darkness about my life before Jesus. You know, certainly was raised in a Christian home. Understood that, okay, this, this Christianity thing, it's a religion. And it doesn't sound very fun to me. It doesn't sound very appealing to me. And in my view, Christianity was sort of darkness. And the party scene was the light. The drink, the drug, and the repeat. Keep doing it. But you go to bed empty. You wake up. You're filled with guilt. What, what did I do? 
And then God came into my life. And one of those things, one of those stories where it wasn't like I came up to somebody and said, what must I do to be saved? It was just God began to just change my heart. He began to just change my desires. And that's the only way I can put it. His love was poured out in me. I, there was some understanding of sin. And this amazing thing happens is that he takes you out of darkness and then puts you into his light. It's called the marvelous light. And when that light comes into your life, everything changes. You become a child of God. We're not all children of God. We're not born as children of God. We become children of God when we enter into his family and he takes us out of darkness and brings us into his light. The bottom line is this, that God cares about you and God wants to protect you. If you look at Psalm 139, verses 17 to 18, I'll just read it. God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Did you catch that in the text there? It's God thinks about you a lot. And the psalmist says that it's like more than the sands on the seashore. Go ahead, try to count how much sand is on the seashore and let me know what you find out, how many are there. Okay, his thoughts toward you are more than the sand on the seashore. Is that some awesome stuff? Did you hear that? That's some awesome stuff. See, there's hope in your struggle. Not in some behavior modification or... Joe was talking, Pastor Joe was talking about mindfulness exercises, all those things that the world tries to come up with to fix your soul, but it's Jesus that can only do it. They're trying to find some fake way of doing it. It's only in Jesus. He's risen from the dead. He's conquered hell and death, and he's given you victory and hope. That's who this wonderful counselor is. That's who this Jesus is. But there's more to it than that. It doesn't just stop there. He's wonderful counselor, and he's mighty God. Think about that word mighty. Strong, powerful, soldiers in war. The eagles were mighty to win 10 games this year. It's pretty amazing. That mighty is assuming strength and power. And when the people of Israel hear the word mighty God, that's what they needed to hear. Because they're surrounded by their enemies on all sides. There's no hope for them to be delivered. They need to hear about this mighty God. Do you need to hear about the mighty God? Maybe you do. I know I do. I think they could use some help here. And what better than a light that has dawned to deliver them from their captivity? And that light is Jesus, the Messiah, the hope that all the Jews look forward to, the coming of the great Savior, Jesus. What kind of victory do you need today? It's the kind of victory that a mighty God can bring to your life. That word mighty in the original language means a mighty hero. Let me ask you, what, what do heroes do? They save people from harm. And the harm of your sin, it's not just a temporary thing. It's a, it's a problem that has eternal consequences. If you don't deal with your sin problem, 
your eternity equates to separation from God forever. You see, Jesus has come as a light into the darkness in human flesh to, be a, to live a sinless life. The Bible says that He is our righteousness, and it's important that you emphasize that he, he had to live that out. He fulfilled all the laws that God required of Him. Nobody could do that but God alone. He's our righteousness. His death, that perfect sacrifice, the work of the cross, the power of God, He is mighty to save. He's the way, the truth, the light, and no one can come to the Father unless He's drawn by Him. He's conquered the grave. It's really important that you understand that there's a lot of good counselors out there today. They can help you in a lot of great ways. They can offer some life coaching, relationships, career advice, but none of them, none of them can save you from your sin. Not one. See, we look for salvation in all the wrong places. We think if I just had the right relationship, the right guy or the right gal that would compliment me and meet my needs and understand me, I'll be happy, I'll be good. We think if I live in the right place, with the right community, with the right people around me, then I'll be happy. If I get the right job, I use all my skills and talents, then I'll be, then I'll be good. We look in all the wrong places. None of that is as important as knowing Jesus. You are significant to Him. You are important to Him. Jesus is mighty, and He is God. He's not just a mighty teacher, or even a mighty counselor, or even a mighty friend, or mighty in battle. Sure, but He is mighty God. And anybody that says otherwise is false. He's not just a good teacher, not just some prophet, See, Jesus stepped out of heaven, this picture of love where he would come from heaven and leave everything that is good, everything that is perfect, and come down here into this mess of a world to suffer and to die. Jesus became a man, but he never stopped being God. Jesus experienced hunger and thirst, tempted in all ways, but no sin. How is he God? He's able to forgive sin, heals, delivers, raises from the dead. He's 100% man and 100% God. Again, two natures, one person. God, man, Jesus is wonderful counselor, mighty God. And, And as we celebrate this season of Advent, we're celebrating Jesus coming into the world as the light to dispel the darkness. And I'm grateful for this church and this community that we understand that let's highlight that, let's prepare for that, let's focus on that, because we're reminding ourselves it's not about all this stuff about getting gifts, and certainly that's nice, but we can't separate Jesus from Christmas. It's about our King. As we close today, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you know Him? Because His desire for you is that you would come out of darkness and that you would come into His light. And I want to encourage you that 
the world and the system of beliefs that the world pushes down for you to believe, don't be deceived by them. Don't try to follow these seven steps for a better life or this talk about the power being in you if you just harness the, the, the Christ in you, the, the little Jesus. No, it's not about that. You know, the flesh would say, yeah, indulge in sin. Let pornography satisfy you. Let your anger go crazy. You deserve to, to release the way you feel. Just let it out. No, 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 no. And certainly the devil, the, the deceiver, the liar, he's the one that's going to say, no, Jesus isn't God. And we see many different cults out there that are rejecting Jesus as God, that he's the brother of Satan or the brother of whomever. They'll say this, the, the, Satan, the deceiver, the liar, will say, live for yourself. What does he say? Do what thou wilt. That's the, the, which fulfills the whole law. That's the Satanist approach. Obviously, nobody's getting lured in that way, but these are all the things that are out there in the world today. And it, it's just not going to work. I think most of you understand that. Pastor Joe brings that message of the gospel of Jesus to you. It never gets old. Because we believe as Christians in the power of God that He can transform you from the inside out. And I know that it's hard many times. Some days you don't want to get up. Some days you don't want to face the day. But if you could settle your heart for a minute and realize, Jesus, I need your transformative power in me today. I need you to change the way I think. I need you to change the way that I feel, all my emotions. Just restore me, God, rightly. Get my mindset correctly. Tune my heart, Lord, to sing your praise. That's what's made possible by Jesus, by this power of the gospel supernatural power of the living God of the Bible. That's the power of God that we have the privilege to know and the privilege to share openly in this place. Because Jesus is real. He's present. He's mighty God. He's wonderful counselor. He's the, Jesus is the light that saves sinners. You and I. And that's my, my question for you as we close out. Do you know Jesus? And maybe you have been walking with him and it's been a little dry, a little challenging. And you're struggling. You're saying, Lord, I need your help. And that's why we come as believers together to celebrate Jesus, to pray for one another, to encourage each other, to keep going. Don't stop can't do this thing alone. There's some people that say, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. I just do it on my own. That doesn't work. That's, that's, that's a contradiction in terms. You can't be a Christian, but, but not part of the church. I was reading a book and it said that it's like, I want to be your friend, but I don't want to be friends with your wife. That doesn't work. I'm stealing that from somebody else, the friend of sinners. It doesn't work. 
And so that's what this, this community is about, is because we believe in the transformative power of God at work in us to change us from the inside out and to reach other people that don't know that hope because there's so much darkness in the world and all around us. So let's pray together and, and uh, Pastor Joe's going to come up some announcements and we'll go down and eat together. <laughs>